Hello, hello, hello. My name's Adam. This is the Adam's Podcast, and we have Delilah Cup on the show this week. And it is, uh, I love talking to Delilah. She's one of my favorite guests. She's one of my favorite people. Um, and obviously, she just had another ACL injury. So we talk about that stuff. We talk about reality TV. We talk about bike clothing fit. We talk about a lot of stuff. So listen in as we go into it with Delilah. Before we jump into the show, a couple quick things. As always, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you were listening there, if you're listening on the YouTubes, hit that subscribe. What do they say at the end of YouTube videos? Hit that subscribe button, like, follow, comment, engage, download, send to your mom, all that good stuff. This episode is brought to you by Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada is a wonderful partner of ours, and I could not be happier to be working with them. They have a whole bunch of new stuff coming out right now, including Optinuum. Is that what that's called, Ethan? Optimum. I said Hoptinuum, and you're like, yeah, it's Hoptimum is out right now, as well as the stuff that I've been drinking, which is Hop Splash. Zero alcohol, zero calories. It's refreshing. It's hydrating, and uh, and I'm actually a huge fan of this stuff. If you're a big seltzer drinker uh, and you are not drinking like I am not, this is an excellent product for you. And like I said, they also have a ton of different options for you as well in the hard kombucha and the beer department. So go to SierraNevada.com and check out all the offerings today or just stop by your local liquor store and get yourself loaded up. We'll mention you can buy Hop Splash on the internet, get it shipped to your door, so do some of that and get into it. Citra and Amarillo hops. So also shout out to our friends at Alpine Vans. Alpine Vans makes the nicest adventure vans possible, custom built to your needs and your spec. They, they only want to build the nicest vans available, uh, whether it's for skiing, for mountain biking, or just for adventure travel. This is the place to go. These things are so, so Gucci and I can't get over, like I can't get over how nice they are. They, they have stuff in stock. They have stuff ready to build. Uh, and they even have a couple of used options as well. Uh, Check this stuff out. Cody Townsend uses this van. This is the one you see on the 50 project. Said it before, and I'll say it again. If Cody's using it, you know it's a good product, especially if it's showing up in every episode of the 50. Um, and some of the features that are in the Cody van include a gear drying closet, an internal water and dry toilet uh, system, as well as internal and external ski storage. Uh, the thing is dope, and it looks great. Shout out to Ryan Schmies for that artwork. That stuff is super dope, so go to alpinevans.com. And get yourself a new rig right now. I know you all got that money in your pocket. You got cash money in your pocket. Spend it on a new van. And without further ado, here's my friend and yours, Delilah Cup. Delilah, how are you? How's life? How's uh, how's things? Uh, things have been better, but they've definitely been worse as well. So okay, not too bad. Um, so for people that don't know, ACL number two. Uh, what last week? Yeah, I tore my other ACL last week. I guess it's been it's been about a week and a half now. Okay. After I tore my first ACL last year in December, so it was about fourteen months between tears, and it was not the same knee. It was the opposite knee, so I can't say that poor rehab was to blame. At least, but yeah, definitely was a big surprise and. Did you <laughs> didn't see that coming? But <laughs> I I'm not gonna talk about your knee the whole time. I promise. Um, what did you know when it happened? Like you knew right away. I pretty much yeah. I um I heard a pop and 
it was a less intense pop. It was definitely like a less intense sensation than the first time. The first time was really quite alarming. Yeah. Um, and it, the pop the first time was so loud. I was kind of, it was like, I thought I hit something. Um, but no, I, yeah, I heard the pop and it felt kind of funny immediately afterwards. And I, you know, I put that video up where I did radio to Brooks right afterwards that I think I tore the ACL. Yeah. And actually, I on the way out of that tour, it was funny. It was the same situation as the first time I tore it, where I was in the backcountry in a spot where I had to tour up and then ski down to get out. Um, at least the first time it was like tour up, ski down, tour up, ski down, tour up. Uh, but on the tour out of that crash, I actually thought maybe I was overreacting and it would be just something really minor or like a little tweak because I could, I boot packed with it. Like I, yeah, I did some, some tight switchbacks and then a full on like boot pack carrying my skis and it seemed to hold up to pressure really fine. And then as soon as I started trying to ski downhill, I was like, uh, uh-uh, this is an ACL tear. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I managed to get an MRI the next day, which was really awesome and hard to do, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. And yeah, it was about four days or just the weekend waiting for the MRI results. And I actually had kind of convinced myself that I wasn't torn in that time because I, I got back to walking pretty quickly and it felt, um, at times it feels pretty good actually. So I was a little surprised at the result, but it was completely torn again. What? <laughs> I was in Mexico when I got the news. <laughs> I when I saw it, I, when I saw you put up that it was gone, I I felt immediately so fucking bad because it's like the, you documented your whole recovery process and it looked like that one was going super well, and then this one happens and it's like fuck, dude, like can't catch a break. But you actually seem pretty fucking positive about it, which is nice. I really I oscillate actually I and I've tried to put this on the internet a little bit more but it's tough because like especially with Instagram you know if you're not if you're not putting out the positive messaging it's really hard to not just complain about your life on there you know yeah but yeah I've been I'm like I'm positive right now but I'm also it's been rough honestly (laughs) well this whole season has been rough and it I have gone through times where I'm like, I don't want to be, you know, pinned down as knee surgery girl forever. But I also feel like I really downplayed how much of an effect the knee surgery was still having on my life Yeah. up until last week. And now obviously it's even more of an effect, but it, yeah, it's kind of, it's fucked with me a little bit more than I've let on, I think. And I, it was a weird year for me just because, I mean, it was my first like full time ski season, Yeah. but I also, I had moved to a new place last year during COVID and had this whole new suite of sponsors and was like trying to get into, you know, the ski video world, which, and I just, I didn't really have like the connections or the groups as an entry point into that for me. So it was kind of like navigating this whole new industry and scene and place and snowpack and sponsors and me like everything all new all at once and it was not awesome yeah i know i can't imagine that it was awesome anybody that's saying it's awesome is a fucking liar so i mean it is it is what it is 
Yeah. Huh. And I, I mean, I had some really good days on skis, but yeah. there's a lot more to it than that for me, which is fine. I think that's like, I'm comfortable with that and I can take the good days on skis and be really satisfied with that. But it's like, I really wanted to make something of my season and like put out some, some content I was proud of and like come up with something more original and execute it really well. And it just takes a team to do that. And I didn't, I was working on building out the team and like, I don't mean to say like people were really nice and welcoming, but everyone's got their own stuff going on. You know, it's not like you can just walk into a new industry in a new place and be like, all right, who's available <laughs> to hop on board with me. <laughs> so I was getting to the point where I was feeling like I could figure it out. But, you know, as soon as I got to that point, I blew my other knee out. So that's, that's awesome. <laughs> now I don't need to try anymore. It's great. Yeah. How, what's the reaction like from sponsors when you tell them this kind of thing? Because that's a, like, I think that's every athlete's biggest fear, right? Is like you tell a sponsor you have a thing or an injury or whatever. And like, I think everybody thinks the reaction is going to be bad, but I think the reaction usually is pretty good. So, I mean, you tell me what was your experience so far? Yeah. Uh, well, to be honest, I actually haven't talked to any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, well, you know, I sent an email before I put anything on Instagram that I had torn my other ACL and have more info soon. Um, but just coincidentally, I'm talking to you before I've talked to any of them face to face or on the phone. So perfect. I, I definitely thought as soon as it happened, I was like, this is the end. Like, it's it's over the end nice try new career time um but i think that was a little dramatic because no one has jumped ship yet and i guess i have talked to juliana bicycles so i know i'm still on board there i'll be um having another awesome <laughs> gravel <laughs> summer but on an xc bike this time um but i think I think that I have, I don't know, I've had a hard time like trying to put myself in a box in terms of what I am to sponsors. And I'm starting to realize that I don't necessarily need to like be any one thing in particular all the time. And maybe they are hanging on because, you know, it's, it's marketing and one way or another I'll be able to do the marketing component i just might not be doing it from you know mountaintops in the yeah. spring like i imagine but yeah no and i think i honestly think that you whether you realize it or not you understand your value to a sponsor team and like i think the way that you come across is like you represent the brands that you do represent very well, regardless. And I think it's more than just the skiing stuff. I think it's your personality. I think it's you as a person. I think that's why a lot of brands want to work with you, at least from the outside looking in. So that part doesn't change because of an injury. If anything, it actually makes the story more interesting because now it's like, okay, she's got another hurdle. How does she handle that? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I just it just feels a little repetitive to me at this point. It's like, man, really? <laughs> this like this whole thing again. I thought I did so good last time. You you did too but, good, obviously, because that one held up. So like now just fucking do the other one and 
see what happens. Yeah. I'm sure it's like, yeah, it's, it's such a hard one. Yeah. I mean, it'll be fun. Like it was honestly pretty fun last year. I had a overall, my last year was great. The winter was a little bit rough, but the year itself, you know, I had a lot of ups and downs, but I look back on it fondly and I had a really good time doing what I can do after knee surgery. But the thing that is the hardest part about it is like, you know, I get all these wishing you a speedy recovery notes and like heal quick and there's just nothing quick about it. And that's what my big takeaway was from the last one is like, no, you can get your muscles as strong as you possibly can as fast as you can, but the ligament itself is going to take the time it needs to heal. And like, that's not six months. So yeah, that's the, that's the tough part. It's, it's a year, like it's a year, no matter how you slice it, like whether it's nine months and you're back on snow and, uh, but it's like a year until you start to feel like yourself again. I think that's kind of then the consensus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, so you're still going to Norway. Talk to me a little bit about working with Nerona, what that has been like, because that's like, Nerona's the shit right now. Like they're, everybody seems like they're into it. They're down. They're like working their way into the U S market. Like. And I think people like they have that brand recognition now in the States that I think they've been building over the past few years. And I think it, I don't know, it's, it's just a really, really solid team. And it seems like a great company to be working with. That's so funny you say that because I feel like everywhere I go, like in lift lines everywhere, people are like, what's that brand? What's that jacket? What's that logo? (laughs) It's as if no one's heard of it. And actually I was at a bar in Todos Santos in Mexico last week that was owned by this Norwegian guy from Oslo and he had a really sick F-150 Ranger. No, F-150 Raptor. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> Outside of his bar with the Nerona sticker on it. So I was like, what? Nerona sticker in Mexico? So I went in there and he's from Oslo and was like, oh, I live and breathe Nerona. I, I live in that stuff all the time, <laughs> but it's like way too mainstream in the US now. Everyone and their mother is wearing it. I'm like, what? That is just not my experience at all. But that's great to hear. <laughs> Somebody's doing their job well. I mean, I'm not going to name names or anything. But, uh, I know. No, they're awesome. I, I love the stuff and what they do as a company and the colors and the team. It took me a while to figure out, like, Norwegians definitely have a little bit different of a communication style, I think. So that's kind of like... I don't know if my jokes are like how is it it different they're just a little bit um like their tone of voice is a little more even keel you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I think that's the consensus I when we were in Austria a couple weeks ago it's like every joke I try to make I'm like oh like I don't think this is landing really well right now like do they hate me and then afterwards they're like no you were great and i'm like oh okay cool like i'm not fired so that's cool yeah totally but that's how it is you're like that i, I can't tell if these people hate me if they're just like not gonna laugh um but once i figured that out a little bit they've been really great to work with they're actually one of one of my sponsors that's like most engaged with me and what i'm doing and ask me to do this and that and you know, really make an effort to reach out quite often, which I really appreciate. Yeah. How, how has the reception been to deleted scenes? It seems like it's gone really well. I actually like, it's one of my favorite. What? You don't think so? No. Really? 
what's good to you? Like, that's my thing. Okay, like, if you're comparing everything the girls got to eat dirt, then, like, fuck off. Because it's not that every single time. But, like, what what were you hoping that didn't go that I'm way? I'm hoping for that. You were I hoping for that every single time? You're putting out, like, a, a vlog. Thank like. I wanted my ski video to be on Pink Bike's top three videos of the year again. <laughs> um, yeah, I, the first one was received pretty well, I think, because there was a little more heart and soul that went into it. Um, and I, I'm actually pretty happy with that one overall. Like, it would have been nice to have better skiing in it, but it told a story. Yeah. Um, the second one, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm already saying it, was uh, not what I had planned or wanted to put out. That was actually like one day of filming of what was supposed to be four days of filming total for that episode. But I just had a really hard time putting filming days together this year. It was, it was challenging to find the right snow windows, right light windows, and then to find filmers who were available on those days and then to find skiers who were also available on those days. It was just like a lot of a lot of factors had to line up, which I guess is just what ski filming is and have, how would I have known that until I tried to do it. Um but yeah, I wasn't I wasn't super happy with that. And I think that was probably obvious in the product that came out. It was a fun day though. It was a great day with that crew. Um but I think it, yeah, it fell a little flat. It wasn't what I had hoped for or intended to put out. And um, now it's all over for this year. Thanks, me. So I don't have to try anymore. <laughs> I mean, you could still do something. Yeah. Like there's still plenty of stories to tell, even if it's not just ski. like it doesn't have to be just ski. I mean, you obviously do what you want with it. But like there's I think people follow you. Right. I, I think that's the that's kind of the idea with this kind of thing is like people are going to be engaged and invested in the kind of thing that you're doing and you're putting out. Yeah. And I mean, I talked about this a little bit last time, but it's like, I understand that, but also for me to be happy with what I'm doing, I just really wanted to like put my best skiing at the forefront and like validate myself as an athlete, which we don't need to get into that, but yeah. Like for me to be satisfied with doing this as a career and like to feel proud of myself and validated in what I am, I just, I, it was really important to me to capture skiing that I was stoked on, on camera, which I didn't get to do this year. And that is that, but. Yeah. What is like when you're making a project like this, or you're, you're putting out a product for the world to see what what makes you happy? I know you said like skiing at a certain level and putting that out, but like, what is it views? Is it people paying attention? Is it like the reaction that you get? Like, or is it just like solely based on how you feel about it? I think it's mostly honestly based on how I feel about it. And usually how I feel about it is pretty well correlated with the reaction it gets when I put it out. Okay. Interesting. I, for what it's worth, I really enjoyed both. Like, I think they were great. Like, I actually, especially, like, I just felt like there's not a lot that's being put out there that's, like, upbeat and fun and, like, lively the whole time. Like, yeah, everybody can shoot ski porn and, like, put that out there. And I, I think that there's a certain level of that that gets really, that gets boring. 
you know, like, and I think the way that you put out what you did put out this season was, it was a hundred percent watchable. Like it's watchable content. And I feel like I've been saying watchable content a lot lately, but like, it's, well, it's crazy. That's what it's come to, right. For like longer form video stuff off of social media. It's like, if you can get through the first three minutes, then that's a big green light right there. Yeah. There's a lot of content (laughs) that you cannot get through the first three minutes. And that's where people get lost. And I, I guess I feel the same way where I'm watching ski stuff. I just, it's awesome to watch awesome skiing, but I really want to connect with people's personalities more and like hear what they have to say about it. Yeah. It's, I felt like I kind of had this thought, like this almost intrusive thought earlier, just like watching, I think I went through my feed and there was like 10 reels in a row that were like just people POV skiing some Hular. And I was like, this is fucking not fun to watch. Like, I don't care. Like, I really don't care. Like, it's not, yes, you're good at skiing. Like, we get it. Like, like this looks cool. I'm glad you skied this. I'm glad it was fun. And if you're posting it for yourself, that's cool. But it seems like everybody's shooting the same angle, the same shot, because that's what works. And I think Brooks was actually one of the first people that I saw it and was like, oh, yeah, like a few years ago. And I was like, this is fucking dope. Like, this is cool. This is really cool. But now, like, three or four years later, I'm like, ah, ah. I'm a bit over this POV of, you know, the same turn and the same couloir or like, I don't know. It takes a lot but for not me to get excited. Brooks, then you can watch it over and over and over. If it's Brooks, <laughs> it's like he's skiing through a river or like on a rock or like something like absurd. And it's just, I think the way there is something different about the way that he shoots it too. So I think he does a really good job. It doesn't look generic when he puts stuff out it like looks fast and fun and he's following someone and it's, I I don't know. I, I'm not, not just because Brooks is my friend. I, I actually do really enjoy watching him do it, especially on the bike, but I'm a little, I don't know. I'm kind of over it. Yeah. Brooks and I actually, he was with me when I tore my ACL and we were looking at some zones that we wanted to ski in the spring. And I was starting to be able to rope him into collabing on a video series with me next year <laughs> would be me and Brooks going out to ski every cooler in Washington. He was like, all right, great. I'll do the skiing and you do the talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. Like you, if you talk to that guy in the grocery store, like you'd, you would never assume that he was like as good at these sports as he is. Like he just looks like he's just like, kind of calm, quiet, and unassuming. And then like you watch him ski and bike and you're like, Oh, like, okay, cool. Or like, shoot. Fuck man. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. And very unassuming. Very unassuming for sure. That is uh that's probably the correct, the correct way to talk about that dude. What? So what now? Like what, what does the rest of the next few months look like? Is it just, what did you take away from the last time that you had surgery that you're like, okay, I kind of know the process. I want to do this. I feel like I did this really well. I want to change this, this time. Like, cause there's obviously rehab is really hard, but there's gotta be things that you took away from the last one that you can kind of work into this one a little easier without having to go through a learning process as much. And there's probably things that you wish you did better last time. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, honestly, last time went really well. Like I had a lot of fun along the way. And I think I 
I mean, I, I know my gravel routes around Belly Dam now better, so I get to start off on the more fun stuff and not go through the learning curve of like finding good roads to ride here. Um, but I think everything will just be a little bit expedited this time, not in terms of getting back to skiing, but you know, just in walking and pedaling and going on longer endurance rides. And I am going to get a cross country bike from Juliana, the wilder, which nice. will be I think, a really fun tool, especially for around, around here. And I'm going to try to be a little more mobile. Last time I was really glued to one gym and staying home and like being really set in my routine, which was nice in a lot of ways. Like I, I am definitely <laughs> healthier and stronger than I have ever been in my adult life from that knee surgery. Like I just, I really dialed in my, my health regime and my routine. Um, but I want to be a little more flexible with that this time and uh, be a little more mobile and travel. And luckily Sage's mom lives down in Baja. So I think I'll, probably visit back there quite a bit especially in the early stages of surgery recovery where i do do quite a bit more laying around yeah what yeah what do you do to fill time like non-ski and bike related like what are your kind of go-to's for things that you do to like keep yourself sane because i think they're during that time frame it's really easy to like just sit there and scroll through your phone and look at what everybody else is doing and kind of get sucked up in the internet hole so like what what other things do you like doing beyond like just in general but also now that you have some time to just like chill yeah i watch a lot of reality tv <laughs> no way <laughs> no i'm serious i never thought i would be like this but i have watched every single um netflix reality tv dating show oh my now God. so i'm hoping something new comes out <laughs> for my next surgery time um but no i i spend a lot of time cooking and acquiring ingredients for complicated recipes to be honest that takes up a lot of time uh but i I mean i feel like i'm just really busy all the time i don't even know what i'm doing so much if i do i mean i have some computer work that i do um and just a lot of admin stuff and taking care of my bikes and house projects actually this time this will be my big exciting thing is I'm going to landscape. Okay. Yeah. It needs a lot of work. So I'm going to take that on pretty soon here, actually. Okay. Um, Yeah. I I think people have this conception that you get knee surgery and you're just like sitting around twiddling your thumbs, but the rehab itself is really time consuming and just all the, all the admin of like surviving in this modern world seems to take up a lot of time (laughs) existing is hard like life is really hard yeah especially if you're trying to like do it tidily you know know. and like work your own like be your own boss and like live your own career it's very different if you're just showing up to an office which like whatever if you're showing up to an office job every day like good for you but if you're trying to make your own career and do your own thing it's like every minute is like taken up no matter what you do yeah yeah there's always something to do for my own endeavors and then i do some freelance marketing work as well so i'm i'm not bored i'm i'm pretty busy yeah what let's get back to this reality tv thing for a second what what how did this start what is the what 
why? I don't understand it. So many people in my life are like so into it. Okay. Well, beyond you've stuck with it now. So like, what's the, what's the deal? Why, why is it so, I don't understand why people are so into this shit. I think it's actually really similar to like what I think of when I'm watching ski videos and I'm like, Oh, I just want to connect with their personality and their lives a little bit more. But reality TV like gives you that, you know, you don't have to watch them ski. You just get to like watch them exist and talk about their feelings over and over and over. And like people have a lot of feelings people and I want to hear all of them. <laughs> I don't, I'm still, I'm never going to understand because it feels so, I don't know, trashy is the wrong word, but it's also the right word, I think. Oh, no, I- it's so trashy. And like some <laughs> of the shows that are on Netflix, I'm like, how is this allowed to be on the internet where children exist? Yeah. (laughs) Like, Too Hot to Handle is disgusting. And, like, yeah, I watched every season, every episode, but it's (laughs) disgusting. Like, I don't want to have to watch that. But it's, like, it's there, so you have to. But, yeah, it is – it's very trashy. It's kind of – it's sad what our society has come to, really. As you're diving into it headfirst. um, I – the we got stuck in a hole of watching I Love New York again and I forgot like watching that show as like a 15 year old like what have you seen this have you seen I Love New York dude okay that's what you should go back and watch if you're looking for like trash tv so I Love New York is a spinoff of um what's the guy with the big clock what's his name you don't know Big Ben no (laughs) flavor flav flavor of love Oh, yo, yeah. Okay, so I Love New York is a spinoff of Flavor of Love. And then I Love New York has a spinoff from two people, two brothers that were on the show uh, whose names are Real and Chance. So they have a show called A Real Chance at Love. So Mm. we got very deep into watching that. And now that's like all I think about. And it's the same. Like the concept of this reality TV situation has never changed. It almost was more trashy before. Really? Oh, my God. It's so bad. Also, naming the show A Real Chance at Love, like, with the two of them, they basically just, like, have all these girls, and they're just like, come on in, and then they're like, oh, you get a nickname. Here's your nickname. Without knowing you, without seeing you, whatever, you're going to be bunny because you look like a bunny rabbit, and you'll be cheese because you smell like cheese. Like, it's literally stuff like this, and they just, like, pick. They're like, all right, you go to real you go to chance because I like you better. And they just have like a draft. It's the most, I don't know why, how I even managed to watch. I know why, because I was stuck in a room with X for a long period of time in Jackson with not all that much to do in the evenings, but it, we got very deep into real chance at love. So that's uh that's my recommendation. I think is, is real chance at love or I love New York. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I'm going to add that to the list. Yeah. For <laughs> For sure add it to the list i also i also want to ask you about cooking like how did you get into this this is a thing that i'm like low-key very very into and have been for a long time like i i cook all the time i'm super obsessed with it and but i'm not good at following recipes and i think there's i'm learning that there's two kinds of people that cook there's like mm-hmm. people that just kind of figure shit out and throw stuff together and like see what works and what doesn't and like trial by fire and there's Oh, I said fire like that. Um, and there's people that like are very good at following the recipe and like just figuring it out. So like, how'd you get into it? And what, what person are you when it comes to that? 
I'm a little bit of both for sure. Um, I don't really get how people cannot be into cooking because like we all got to eat. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we live in cities where we have more options for never having to cook our own food. But um, no, I, I've, I've always been into cooking and since Sage and I moved in together, we have been on a cookbook bender. We actually cook recipes out of cookbooks probably five nights a week. No shit. And Sage is into it too. Yeah. It's very expensive. It's very time consuming, <laughs> um, but we're eating good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we went through a big Atalenghi phase. There's this author, Yotam Atalenghi. Okay. Um, he has a series of very complicated cookbooks. So that's kind of my vibe. Um, we're both, we're our vegetarian household, more or less. Um, so we have that component. But yeah, I I mean, I'm chefing up breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. <laughs> <laughs> what, what made you decide to go mostly vegetarian was there a reason for that or you were just like this seems to make more sense and my body agrees with it uh environmental yeah. yeah i i probably talked about this on my first podcast but i studied global environmental affairs in college and worked in climate policy for a while before entering the wonderful world of skiing um so it's just makes sense with my values okay what what is better about it what is not better about like i guess people say this all the time to me and i i've yet to get like a good answer about why it actually makes sense to eat vegetarian as much as you can like everybody's like methane and i'm like okay but i still don't get it oh i wish i had some good stats pulled up for you but no it's it's i mean yeah emissions methane emissions are one thing but it's more like the efficiency of Food and calories, and especially here in the States um, where cattle and chicken is fed primarily on corn and soy crops, which take up a lot of land and nitrogen fertilizers and blah, blah, blah. Um, but basically, like, animal, animals consume this huge quantity of corn and soy products in feed, and then what we consume from the animals is, like, a tiny fraction of the number of calories that they consume from all this corn and soy feed that takes up all this land and um, land to grow and emits or produces nitrogen fertilizer runoff that runs into our water systems and causes all this other harmful stuff to happen like algal blooms um, and just land efficiency wise, it makes more sense for us to eat the plants directly because we consume 100% of the calories derived from the plants growing on X amount of land rather than a fraction indirectly through meat. Okay. That was poorly explained, but <laughs> <laughs> that's still, believe it or not, the best explanation that anyone's given me. So, and it, and it makes sense. I, have you ever watched that King corn documentary? No, this is like, that was the only documentary that I watched and I was like, okay, like I'm going to stop eating as much meat as I do now. I watched it years ago and like every once in a while I'll be like making a steak or something. And I think about it. And I'm just like, Oh, I'm fucking gross. But it just goes into like, it's been around for a while and it just kind of goes into like you talked about the corn that 
cattle are fed and like the government stipends and like how this shit all works. And it's like watching, like they just have, I have like these images of cows getting ulcers from the corn that is like just stuck in my head. And it's so gross. And yet somehow I still end up eating a bunch of meat. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I just, you know, it's easier for me to avoid it. If it's like meat grown on someone's family farm, I'll have no problem with it. But yeah, yeah, a lot of that. Actually, I listened to a podcast on my way home from Mexico yesterday that was about uh, all the government subsidies for like negative climate resiliency actions or like poor climate adaptation actions. Um, And... Anyways, I won't get too deep into it, but it made me think maybe I want to revitalize my interest in environmental economics um, and consider using this next knee surgery to potentially look into grad school, Yeah, uh, which I've done a little bit of, but I haven't quite convinced myself that it makes sense for me yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's on the for sure. It's, I mean, it's a good field to be in right now. I think there's, there's so much talk about like environmental policy and there's so much like, oh, we want to do this. Oh, this is happening. This is good. This is bad. And I don't think, I don't know if people actually fully understand what happens now and like what changes actually make a difference and how that works on a higher level. I think it's yeah, ride your bike to work every once in a while or take a train every once in a while or do this or do that. But I think there's so much like undoing of the system that needs to happen in order for any real climate, like positive climate change to happen that it seems like it's a really good time for everyone to get a little more educated on it, whether that's like you go to grad school and you do more on that or I don't know, you just try to learn more about what's going on because there's it seems like there's something new happening like every single day yeah that's definitely true like i've always you know there are a lot of people who do understand what needs to happen and that's kind of the problem is there's a big disconnect between that small population of people and the larger voting population yeah i've definitely i think i've talked about this before too but i've always toyed with the idea of like integrating my whole social media influencing presence with the things I actually care a lot about in the real world outside of skiing and biking and using that as a little bit more of an advocacy platform. But I don't know, man, I think (laughs) (laughs) I just, it's so hard to not be annoying about it. You know, if I find the right opportunities to insert some of that i'd love to but it's hard to like take a platform that was built off something totally different and turn it into an educational advocacy platform if that's not what you know the people want and i want to give the people what they want but at the same time like i think that i have realized it usually works when i just like do what i want to do Right. So, so we'll just see. do it. Just do it. Yeah. I think if you Maybe. know that there's a potential to be really annoying about it, there's less likelihood that you are going to be super annoying about it. Yeah. I'd love to, like, I should just, I don't know. 
Who do I'd you love think to does use it? a different organization as a platform to figure something out, like a protect our winters or just working. I mean, I have, I've tried to get as educated as I can on brands like um, Fat Tires, sustainability initiatives, and Nerona's sustainability roadmap. But then it's like taking the step from getting really educated myself on what these brands are doing and then sharing some of that and what interests me. And it's hard. It's hard to like take the time to package what I think is interesting in a way that's really digestible and um, interesting to other people. So maybe that's what I'll have a little bit more time to do during knee surgery, but it'll be hard to find time to do that if I am editing vlogs all the time. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Maybe I'll just like sneak in some climate facts into the outros of my knee surgery vlogs. Is there is there anyone that you think does it well? Like that puts out that kind of messaging in a in a way that you're like, oh, this is cool. Uh, I think Nikolai Shermer does it well when he does it. Um, and I think that's kind of the strategy is like few and far between. It doesn't have to be really consistent. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's doing it with like the imagery of really cool shit that he does also. And that's like what I will be missing yet again for another year of knee surgery recovery. So <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there's other ways to work it in there too but yeah you're right like i i agree if i if i talk or i fluff nikolai anymore on this show i think people are gonna punch me in the mouth but everybody loves that dude the way that he's putting out content is exceptional and because of that one year-long project that he did like i still and obviously he still does a bunch of stuff now and still posts about it and all that good stuff but because that one project that he like really poured in some time and money into i still associate him with positive climate action yeah that's awesome i have a little bit of beef with him right now because i gave him <laughs> a very direct shout out in my first youtube video and i've heard nothing nothing like i don't think he even watched it oh my that's not true i swear i saw him post about it no absolutely not <laughs> i don't think he even watched it which is like you know whatever i probably I wouldn't have watched it if I was him either. I didn't really go too hard. Oh my god! Stop. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if I see him in Norway, I'll just like give him shit. Like he deserves it. Yeah, he deserves it. Just keep tagging him. Just post it every day and tag him until he answers. Like, hey, Nikolai, you up? Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe it's just the nine-hour time difference is hard for him to ever get around to watching it somehow. Don't make excuses for him. <laughs> Don't make excuses for him. There's I mean, no like, need. We were on the same podcast episode two years ago, so it's yes. I feel like we should be closer than we are, but yeah, you guys should be best friends. And I'm not, I'm not seeing that yet. Maybe next year. <laughs> You're gonna see him in Norway. Uh, I think so. Probably. I yeah, the with the original plan that involved me skiing, then yeah, um, with the new plan who knows but yeah potentially yeah what what is the new plan like what does that actually look like you're going all the way to norway so they gotta have something going for you <laughs> i don't know if i'm allowed to say um 
Tell secrets. Uh. Tell <laughs> secrets. They're not listening, I swear. Maybe Nikolai is okay. if no, I get no, lucky. So they have the sickest studio photo shoot <laughs> lined up. No, it's actually really cool. It's a very unique campaign for a new outerwear line that is really exciting and cool and also has a fun sustainability angle that maybe I can play on a bit. Um, but the campaign was originally centered around me and Torstein Horgmo and Christian Neumendahl and Mons Royland. I don't know how to say Norwegian names. Um, but it would have been obviously really sick to go out and film with them in actual skiing and make something with that group. Uh, Torstein Horgmo is my childhood idol. So Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Orgasm was a big influence on me and my teen development years <laughs> for better or for worse <laughs> um but i still have the opportunity to be part of the studio photo shoot component of that because as we all know by now when i tear my acls i get called into studio model <laughs> Which is way more fun than skiing. I'm going to paint my nails for it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I get to do a bit of that. See, just meet the whole team at Nerona, which would be really awesome. And then be part of some R&D meetings. Um, and then also some like music festival slash ski touring event that I know very little about besides uh, Norwegians like the party yeah. is the information I received. So I could go kayaking there, which would be cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you, when you go and like get involved in any of these R and D things, like when they're actually looking for athlete feedback, do you, do you like giving that stuff? Do you feel comfortable giving feedback to brands? Because we were in like the team days thing for Fisher last week. And I was surprised to see like the big gap in like some people feeling like they're comfortable to talk about things and some people clearly being like like some people fully pushing back on things like being like no like it should be this way and then other people feeling one way but not really saying anything so i where's your <clears throat> comfort level at with that <clears throat> stuff? oh sorry um i'm comfortable with it i think i'm pretty i definitely err on the side of like over honesty not necessarily in a harsh way, but like, you know, I often have a lot of criticism, especially around apparel, because I <laughs> believe things should fit a certain way. Um, but I, you know, come into it from the angle like, this is what I think and what I know that this certain constituency of people also thinks, which for me is, you know, like late teens to early 30s women who want to you know express themselves in a certain way that is similar that to what i want um so i come into it from that angle and i like to you know be as honest as i can so that things actually turn out the way i want them um but yeah i, I haven't really met a lot of negativity around it yeah are uh, what what do you want to see in apparel that you wish was different or what do you like in particular? That's always a sticking point for you. In ski apparel, bike apparel, ski I apparel, think... I guess mainly, but bike apparel too. I, 
bike apparel, I think bike apparel is whack, but like, I don't like in, <laughs> as a general. Bike apparel, especially women's bike apparel, has a long ways to go across <laughs> the board. But I think that's kind of exciting because we're at a turning point where we like, I feel like I actually have some influence that I could exert over the way things shake out in the next few years. Um, but ski apparel, honestly, like, especially Nerona ski apparel <laughs> is pretty dialed. I don't really have a lot of complaints. I think there's a lot of different pieces that fit differently and some work better for me than others. I'm very short. Um, so that's the biggest factor in how things fit for me. Um, but bike apparel is kind of this whole new world for a lot of these brands that are just getting into it or even brands that have been into it for many years. And it is crazy. Like I always think that what I want is what most women want, but I've been on a handful of panels for product feedback for various brands. And there is like, there's two very different camps of women who want things to be short and boxy and black and muted colors and, you know, looser fitting pants and whatever. And then like women who want their hips to be hugged and really feminine touches and, a, you know, overall like more female forward feeling fit. And it'll be interesting to see <laughs> yeah. who wins in that debate. Yeah, it's. I wish there was room for there to be two different women's product lines in a lot of bike apparel brands, but apparently there's not. Yeah, they keep saying that, and I, I don't know. Like I keep saying, bike apparel is whack because I just don't see a need for a lot of it. Like I think that there's a lot of stuff that's really good, it's really nice, it's really technical, but a lot of the stuff is super expensive, and a lot of it does the same job as like something super cheap. And there's plenty of like it's just all over the map. And I think the bike industry is very confused about what works and what doesn't. And I agree. There seems to be brands that are, they do this really well. Like they do loose fitting baggy stuff really well, or they do like super tight fitting, like nice, like Velocio is a good example, right? It's like, if you think about Velocio, it's like, you think about those bibs, you think about the jerseys and you think about like how they even look soft, even on Instagram, as opposed to like just touching them in real life. Like, so the stuff, looks good they have like a certain fit in mind and what they want it to be and i think that's great but it just seems like there's a lot and it seems so overcomplicated. yeah their stuff is tight yeah is it don't tell tom i said this but <laughs> their stuff <laughs> is so tight and that's a problem that i have with a lot of brands where i'm like who wants this to be like skin tight across their stomach when they're riding a bike but there are some people, I guess, out there who want it. Or maybe not. Maybe these things were just, like, brought to market before there was a full panel development opportunity. But it's a, I see it as a an area of opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> there's an opportunity for growth. Yeah. I, I've toyed with the idea of doing, like, an Instagram poll or, you know, answer box thing of, like, women who ride bikes, like, what do you want? A versus B to see in apparel development going forward. So I can bring that to brands as like, here's, here's some hard evidence for you. Um, 
But, you know, just like all my other ideas, I haven't executed it yet. So <laughs> we'll see. I there's there's a lot of value in that. There's there was like that forum on new schoolers where I forget who it was and I want to give them credit, but they did basically like a rundown of all like they were polling people about boot sizes, right? And they're like, What boot size are you? What flex do you like to ski? All this good stuff. And like those numbers are actually really important when you go into a conversation with a brand and having some feedback, even if it's just on Instagram, is is important because in the minds of a lot of these brands and a lot of these companies, they know what they want already. Like they know what they want to make. They know, like I heard it last week. It's like the bell curve of a certain product or like ski boots, for example, is skewed one way or the other, right? Where, you know, a 22.5 is the bottom end of a bell curve for selling ski boots. But it's just Sophia Schwartz said it actually in a way that made a lot of sense to me. She was like, they were talking about boots and how like the bell curve gets really tough because you're making like, it's the extreme of what sizes are available. But she was like, it's that way because the bell curve is fucked. Like the bell curve that you're using doesn't make any sense. It, it's just across the board as opposed to four women because the numbers for a 22, 23, 24, 25 are a lot closer than I think people realize because there's no options in those smaller sizes for, for people. So they end up upsizing, they end up going to something else, they end up going to a brand that does make it. So because they're using men's and women's sizing as the reference point, it looks like it's a really small fraction of it, but when in reality it, it could be a lot bigger fraction of it, if that makes sense. You mean like if they combine genders on the bell curve? Well, so that's what they are doing. They're combining, like when they look at ski boot sales, they look at like top selling sizes overall. They don't necessarily look at women's versus men's or like what sizes work the best. Because like in a ski shop, I can tell you there's been a million times when somebody comes in and they've always been skiing a 23.5 because a 22.5 hasn't existed or just wasn't in stock and they just deal with it and they stuff the boot or they just deal with a boot that's too big. Right. So you have a lot of those people that could easily be going into a different, going into a different size, right. That just aren't getting the opportunity to. Yeah. I've seen a lot of noise on the small boot debate yeah. on the internet this year. And I am happily watching from a distance because I have to plug my K2 Mindbender team boot. I wear a 23.5 and I have, I think it's called the Mindbender Team W, yeah. which is supposed to like 120 or 125 flex that with the zip fit liner i have no complaints yeah yeah like none it's awesome you like the zip fit liner love it yeah yeah it's not just smoke and mirrors like we actually it's actually a thing that we like yeah i think so i i had only skied an intuition a handful of times before and i didn't i never really vibed with it but yeah for me the zip fit works great and it is a total game changer for that boot shell yeah. I think I have the uh, Gara Free Tour, the purple one yeah, in there. Gara Free Tour. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have absolutely no complaints. Yeah. The product's good. It's crazy. Uh, it's funny. I've been giving ZipFit a lot of plugs lately, pro bono, and I think they deserve it. Like, it's the stuff yeah, is really good. They're like, tiny companies. So yeah, like, exactly. Like, they're, yeah. It's going to be pro bono or nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they don't have much of a choice. They're getting what they get and I'm, uh, and I'm getting what I get. So they, they're great. I mean, they're, the team there is really good. And I think the way, like how much they care about putting out a good product is pretty insane. Like if you have a question about 
your liner, like you just DM zip fit and Jeff like calls you within like three minutes and he's just like full on panic. Like what can, what can I do? How can it be better? Help me out. You're just like, okay, dude, like it's going to be okay. Yeah. What an angel. (laughs) That guy's the best. That guy's so funny. Um, yeah, I, the small boot conversation has been a really big one, I think, because it's, it's a thing that doesn't get filled. And I think we all know people who are in a 22 that like are skiing something they really shouldn't be like Hadley hammers, the typical example, but Michelle Parker, same deal. Like she's got a million boots that she's trying on all the time to try to make something fit her foot. And I think at that professional level, obviously a little bit of a bell curve like issue where like, yeah, okay. Not everyone needs a 130 flex boot, but I think making, more true 22 fives in stuff that like people can actually go buy makes makes a lot of sense but it's it's back to the bike situation where i I just don't know if anyone knows what works or what doesn't work at this point like it seems like it's been around for so long and people still haven't really figured it out yeah you should tell michelle to try the k2 mindbender team w (laughs) (laughs) is it a true 20 is it a true 22 and i don't know like I'll tell. I don't know. I, it fits me I to get the same size that I've gotten my whole life. It fits, so. All right. <laughs> All right, Michelle, you got the you got the plug if you need a gate too. <laughs> I yeah I I don't know. I think bike clothing is fucking dumb. But like Ripton does it good, right? Like, but that's just like jorts, right? But that's what a lot of people just want to ride it. They just want to ride in something comfortable that looks normal. They don't want to look like they're getting ready for the tour de France. Like every time they go into a grocery store after a ride or something like that. Yeah. So until they move to Bellingham and ride mountain bikes in the winter and you need to be covered in Gore-Tex at all hours of the day. Is it that wet and gross there all the time? Like, is it as like, as yeah, as I think says? it's, it's awesome that you can ride all year, but like right now it's 60 degrees. I'm pretty gung ho to go ride a mountain bike yeah. sort of. Yeah. But it, for some reason, snowed here a bunch last week. So all the trails are like covered in slush snow and are kind of unrideable. Um, so that's inconvenient. Sometimes it's great, but it, yeah, it's really dirty. <laughs> <laughs> it's just dirty. Okay, cool. Tight. Um, do you like living there? Like genuinely? I think so. Yeah. It's been a really long warm up for me here. Moving here in COVID was tough. It was really shut down. Um, and it's funny. A lot of the friends I've made here are a similar lifestyle where they're like, you know, either fully full-time professional athletes or semi-professional athletes. So people are gone and traveling a lot. Um, it's yeah, there's not as much as like a, centralized social scene and community as there was in boulder and colorado which is where i moved from um but i love being close to the water and close to the city i actually spend a lot of time in seattle um and it had like geographically it's everything that i want so i'm figuring it out there's nowhere i'd rather live at this point especially when the criteria are like places you can ski and bike out of and also afford a house (laughs) yeah yeah i mean everything else that you can do that is completely like out of everyone's price range unless you work at like a tech company yeah 
And that's something I realized this year too. Like, I don't, I don't totally know what my winter is going to look like next year, depending on when I get knee surgery. But next time I do have a full winter here, it doesn't really work for me to live in Bellingham and ski a bunch. Like, an hour and a half is not a short drive to skiing. And I just, you're telling me. So many days in a row, I'm like, I gotta just put stuff on the map and travel for longer periods of time, like go one place than another. But I think last year I was really, I had a lot of anxiety about like leaving and then figuring that as soon as I left, it would be the good snow window here. And especially while I was trying to make like the filming connections in one spot as well. So I felt, I just, yeah, I had a lot of anxiety around finding the right (laughs) snow and conditions and people and everything um but in the future i would like to be less attached to being in one place that's so far away from skiing and like find a way to to be closer to snow for longer amounts of time and less like consistent skiing throughout the year but more like cool here's a two-week block i'm gonna ski a bunch maybe take two weeks off ski a bunch for two more weeks but that only works when you can predict the weather which no one can do really so i think everybody in new england is like playing a tiny violin for you right now because it's like what everybody here deals with is like you either live in vermont which is not that cool most of the time unless you live in specific areas or you live in a place where it's easy to get a job affordable to live and you drive a shit ton of hours every week to go skiing and like the snow is probably bad and as soon as you like every time i've left here this winter, it has snowed the week that I have left. Like every single time. Like I have missed every storm. Like, does skiing just suck? I don't know. <laughs> like, do I even like this anymore? Like, it's I, so much of the admin component of it. But no, skiing, I still do love skiing. That's the unfortunate part. I wish I didn't because the admin around it these days is just insane. <laughs> Especially if you're someone who's skiing on the weekends. And driving I-90, I-70, whatever it is, like, oh, man, it's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's too much. It makes me wonder what skiing's going to be like for, like, my kids in whatever, 100 years. Like, what, what skiing? It just seems like there's going to be so many hoops to jump through to actually be a skier. And I don't remember having that. And maybe it's just because, like, we made whatever work as a kid. But I don't remember having as much admin as you put it as there is now yeah me neither but i also grew up skiing on my driveway so that was really convenient (laughs) (laughs) as you will know if you watch deleted scenes episode one on youtube now (laughs) what a plug um Last thing I want to ask you about is some bike stuff. Um, and then I'll let you get out of here. What, what are you going to be riding? I know you said wilder. What, what's the plan? Like, what do you actually like riding? What do you enjoy riding? If you have like a day to go ride, everything's healthy. Everything's rolling good. What do you actually enjoy doing? Three years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man, that's the thing. I was just, the day that I tore my ACL, I was like, Planning on wrapping up that tour early so I could rush home and go ride my Ruby on my new bike. Yeah. Because I was finally getting to a point where I was like, sweet, I can kind of give it now. Like, knee is pretty much healed. I've been riding really conservatively all year. Like, now's the time I can loosen up and have some fun on my bike. But psych. Um, 
but if I was all well and good, I would ride the Ruby on primarily, especially on steeper stuff and chunkier stuff. But the Furtado is so fun for a slightly more mellower trails. Here in Bellingham, things are like built for psychos. So yeah. I would choose the Ruby on and still feel like a small child learning how to ride a bike. Um, but this year, I believe I will have a Wilder and a Furtado. Okay. I really yeah. like riding an undergunned bike a lot. Like I was on a blur for like three quarters of a year last year, which Sims Wilder. And like, I have no business riding the bike park on that bike, but like I had a good time. And I like, I like feeling like I'm a little scared like the whole time. <laughs> like I'm going to shit my pants at any given moment because the bike is made for like gravel roads and cross country racing. But the thing handles really well. And I, I like the feeling that you get. And the handling that you get out of a smaller suspension bike. Like, I have a bigger bike that I ride all the time and I don't shut the fuck up about. So, like, saying this right now feels like sacrilege. But I I like riding a smaller bike in heavier conditions. Like, it just it feels fun. It feels fast. And everything feels scarier, even when it's not scary, because the bike feels like a fucking rattle. Yeah, I don't kid. know if you want things to feel scarier. <laughs> I think I'm the opposite. <laughs> But I love riding the bikes like that in more like cross country style settings on and on slow trails and stuff. Um, and I do, I want to do a bit more like adventure riding and, you know, travel with my cross country bike more and like ride around Vancouver Island and some of the mountain ranges in BC and maybe dabble in bike packing just a little bit. Um, but I think. Shortly after knee surgery, I imagine I'll be able to ride the Furtado on like mellow flow trails again, which is so fun for me anyways. Like it's a bummer to not be able to go scare myself for a long time again. Yeah. But I really enjoy just whipping around on some mellow flow trails once in a while. So, yeah, I'm curious to see what you think after riding that Wilder for a little while. Like if you feel the need for a gravel bike anymore, like, or yeah, I'm imagining it's kind of going to substitute my gravel bike, especially around here. The roads are chunky. Like, this is not a good place yeah. to try to do proper gravel rides. Um, but I've never ridden one, so I'm really excited. And they just released new colors. Have you seen them? Uh, oh, my God. They're insane. They're so <laughs> sick. The new Grifion green is, like, my dream bike color. <laughs> the stuff looks good they're fucking crushing right now like they've been on such a roll for the last like six years or whatever seven years and they're i don't think there's any sign of slowing down the stuff looks good it rides extremely well it's durable and it looks fly as fuck yeah i just can't believe they can still manage to come up with new colors like how are there that many colors in the world but <laughs> Campbell is over there just crushing it for him. That's their graphic designer. I don't know if I'm allowed to say like people's names. On they do. Yeah, I don't think people are going to go and like search Campbell Santa Cruz right now and try to dig. Oh, Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they will. And if they do, I'll power to him, I guess. But um, yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, I, I just had a we're doing like this series for one of the Vermont gravel races, like a Rasputitsa radio station for people to like listen to on their way up to the gravel ride and was just talking to someone like an hour ago about like their gravel bike setup and their cross setup and what feels different and what they should ride, like whether people should ride a mountain bike, a road bike or a gravel bike to start off. And like in my head the whole time, I'm like a cross country mountain bike 
one cross country mountain bike basically does whatever you want it to do. Right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. If it's like a cross country race style bike, I don't know. I think people should get whatever they can get and they'll probably have a great time doing most things on it. But I mean, you can just go around and around in your head all day about gravel versus XC versus slightly longer travel XC. And it's like, they're all going to be really fun. They're going to do different things slightly better than the other options, but it all works. Yeah, it all works well. It's it's funny. For a long time, I've been saying Santa Cruz basically makes like seven of the same bike. They make like the bike that they're all like 10% different than the next one. And you're just <laughs> like, oh, okay, cool. Like this is the same. And people like nerd out about it so hard, especially between like Furtado and whatever the slightly bigger Juliana is or like Tallboy and Hightower. It's like, which one do I get? And it's like, dude, you're the same person. It's like one person just made this what decision. What are you talking about? Tallboy and Hightower are so different. No. I don't want to get into this no. with you. No, 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 no. We can fight about this right <laughs> now. There you. is nothing on a Hightower that I can't do on a Tallboy. There is nothing oh, on a Tallboy oh, that I wouldn't do. I, I swear to God. Like, I don't. I, it's going to feel different. And it's the feeling. <laughs> They are not, they are not so different. They're not, they're not that different. There's no way. I don't know, man. You would know better than me, I guess, but I don't, I'm not buying what they're selling. That's all I'm saying. Just agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> There's too many bikes. selling what they're selling. <laughs> Just kidding. It's, well, yeah, but no. It's like, yeah, but not kidding. So that's fine. Um, cool. Well, I appreciate the time as always. Where, where can people find you on the internets? Where can people find you on Instagram and YouTube and deleted scenes on YouTube and all that good stuff? Yep. Yep. My name for the record is Delilah Cup. Um, <laughs> my Instagram is at the cuppers. Um, YouTube is Delilah Cup. I believe. Yep. That's where it all goes down. <laughs> if you want to be privy to my oversharing the details of my life and my thoughts and feelings, like and subscribe. Why don't you get a Twitter? I've probably asked you this before, but I feel like you'd be good at Twitter. That has never once crossed my mind. Really? Yeah. Yeah, no. There's just too many. Like, uh, yeah. uh, it's kind of my job to be on social media you know but like i don't want to be on social media more than i have to be on social media and if you spread yourself out over too many apps it's just like more time you know that's my big issue yes. with tiktok is if you want to do well on tiktok you have to like spend time on yeah. the app to see what the trending stuff is and like i just don't want to i don't want to take the time to succeed on that platform so yeah, sticking to Instagram and YouTube for now. Twitter is just like, it's like taking a shit. Like, it literally is like, you just fucking do it and you just like turn it off and you just go away and you run away from it. Like, that's how it, I don't know, that's how I use it at least. If you read Twitter comments. They're like, today I'm really sad. No, that's not <laughs> Three how hours later. Twitter. <laughs> Update, rode my bike. I'm happier now. <laughs> I just use it to shit on things like, or to just like. I don't know. I, I've never been like today. Actually, that's not true. All season I've been tweeting like 
I went skiing today and then just posting a photo. And that's been probably the best content that I've put out all season. Oh, you are active on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Very active on Twitter. Big, big Twitter person. Interesting. I don't like like it at all. I don't like like I don't like it at all. But I do enjoy the fact that I can just put stuff out there and people either tell me that I'm wrong and or tell me that I'm right or they agree with me. And I also like that I can use Twitter and put it on Instagram because that oh, yeah. content That's that, yeah. that content does really well for us. So I, I don't You're know. You're just gaming the system. I'm, over just there. Ga- I'm just cheating. Yeah. That's pretty much all I've done since the beginning. So it's fine. It's working for you. You have more followers than me now. I've been watching. I was like, oh, he finally overtook me. God damn it. Now I have nothing left to show for myself. (laughs) (laughs) It'll drop off. It'll drop off and then you'll catch back up and we could just play the game until one of us like, you know, makes it, makes it big and then quits and doesn't care anymore. 